Can you do the whole interview like a very old man, though? I'm like, I'm Nathan. <laughs> welcome to the John Chi Show. Oh, welcome to episode three. <laughs> I don't know what that, that is. That's uh, like a man like attempting to be evil the, the voice Disney over. character. <laughs> All right. Ready? Vamos. See, this is we really we should have done this before the soju. You're listening to the John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted Korean American and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome to episode three of the John Chi Show. I'm Nathan. I'm KJ. And I'm Patrick. Hey, KJ, what does John Chi mean in Korean? John Chi in Korean is loosely translated as party, uh, and that's what this show is all about. We're here to party and celebrate our identity as Korean Americans, as adoptees, and as everything in between. And today we're going to be talking to KJ uh, about his exploration of cultures, his travels around the world. Uh, his music uh, passion, and his family life, including his high school sweetheart, which later became his wife. And a little bit later, we'll be drinking some soju. Two of us have never had it. One of us has had too much. So stay tuned, and uh, here comes KJ's interview. (laughs) I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, KJ, and I'm like, he's so red. They can't see that. All it. right. Uh, so, KJ, you know, I think we're going to start these interviews all kind of the same, but uh, we heard your story on Dear Asian Americans. Just wondering if you could give us a little brief recap, you know, uh, where you came from, where you grew up at, uh, a little bit about your family. Yep. So, uh, unsurprisingly, or maybe surprisingly, I was born in South Korea, in uh, Daegu, and then I spent the first six and a half months of my life in Seoul uh, in foster care um, until I was adopted. Uh, I was brought to Dallas, Texas, where I spent the next 18 years of my life and then uh, moved to the Midwest for college and got a job in the Midwest in a different city. So I've just kind of been in the Midwest ever since, slowly make my way back south uh, so my wife and I can be reunited with our family. Um that was really brief. <laughs> that was a good. That was a really I think that was a really good <laughs> summation of that. Um I thought I I thought one of the most interesting things kind of about your story is where you grew up and the diversity that you were able to experience at a really young age. Um and also going along with your parents being very globally minded, you know, you ended up going to every continent. Um I do think just not as, Antarctica. I haven't been there. Right, yet. not Antarctica. Good call. One day, um, maybe. <laughs> I want to go there. So I get that. I actually that. have like very little desire to go there. Oh, really? Well, I, I just want to go there so you can do that <laughs> trick where you throw the boiling water up in the air and it freezes to snow. Is that a thing? It is a thing. Yes. All right. It is that I cold. take it back. I a little want to go there. <laughs> that's <laughs> like going to be, 4%. we're going to record a show there. I don't know if you, well, that's that in the works. That's terrible. Well, that Antarctica doesn't sound show. very fun. <laughs> no, thank you. It'll be fun. It'll be a fun show. Coming to you live um, from an igloo. <laughs> so I brought that up because I just thought that a lot of experiences for Korean adoptees is usually not really getting to grow up in that diverse environment. I was wondering, you know, 
what you felt that was like or how your adoptee experience, you know, allowed you to still feel that otherness feeling of being in a very unique community, but was something that almost wasn't a hindrance per se, but was something that was kind of a catalyst for you to be able to to get invo- more involved in that community that you grew up in. It's interesting. So I, I have a couple of factors, I think, in my life that help me acclimate and be more okay with being quote unquote other. Um, a, uh, you know, there were a lot of people of color um, in my social circles that I got to hang out with, which was nice. And so I think just being a minority was normalized because unless I told them, they didn't necessarily know that I was adopted. Although at a young age, you're kind of always, you're like talking about your parents. Right. <laughs> um, and then, so there's that, there are lots, lots of uh, diversity in my life. And then also um, with my right hand, not uh, formed normally, um, in a, a really clear and apparent way, uh, it was just like always on top of being Asian, I was also like clearly visibly handicapped. Um, and so it was, uh, I don't know, like for me, that's never been a thing that I've wrestled with, but because it was so in your face, in some ways, I think I really identify more first as a, a disabled person and then as, um, a white person and then as a okay. adopted person and then as an Asian American. And so some of those things are starting to shift now at this point in my journey into my own identity. Uh, but that's kind of historically been the hierarchy. So having just such a, a visible, like you're Asian and you're uh, disabled, but I think the disabled thing triggering empathy, whereas Asian can trigger any other number of things from a, a viewer um, was generally well accepted um and my parents were really good about um celebrating me for who i was and so maybe where they didn't think much about race they did think about um my hand and so they would try to give me a quote-unquote normal kid experience and help me find especially instructors and things whether it was golf or piano or whoever who would work with um my situation with my hand um and so that just carries over to now in making me more um okay with who i am even though i'm like rediscovering what that means i think that's really great for you uh to be able to identify with so many different things at an early age and helping helping to lay that foundation and solidify that foundation um in your fact thing i have here um, you talked about your parents being an adoptee support group. Um, and I think I'm wondering, you know, going off of what you had just talked about, how that maybe played a factor a little bit. Did that add anything to that experience or how did, how did that work out for you guys? Yeah, I don't, um, I think if there was a question because my parents had that support group, I think they were more ready and able to to deal with any question that I had. And they did a really good job giving me, uh, books to read or things that were um, either about adoption or about Korea. And so just really, again, normalizing my own situation, um, I think was really nice and, and was a, a great way to, a great opportunity to have growing up. And yeah. your sister was also adopted, right? So from Russia. Yeah, my younger sister was adopted from Siberia. And she, okay. uh, I don't know. My parents always said she had a lot of Mongol blood. I have no idea where her blood comes from, but she <laughs> does not look like a European Russian. She's very like 
Asian Russian. Um, So when we were little, people used to think we were twins. And then as we grew up, we were like, oh, no, we're we're definitely different people. But (laughs) yeah, so I just remember. And also like my parents, just because it's cute to match your kids, would just dress us similarly. So I was like, well, that doesn't help much. But yeah. So growing up, you had two older siblings that were biologically or your parents' kids. Um, I know... I was the elder sibling, so and I know a lot of people, Nathan, you know, you grew up as a younger sibling. Growing up with two older siblings that were biologically related, related um, did that play, did, did the adopted factor, you know, ever come through in those relationships, or they always been pretty, pretty strong and pretty... Um, yeah, I don't think that that was, I don't think that my being adopted was necessarily a huge thing. I don't know, I get uh, a sense of like, not that parents aren't proud of their kids, but um, like my whole family are Christians. And so there's a sense of like, you were not just like a a gift, but you were a promise from God that you would come to our family. Um, So kind of after some, some hardship, you know, to have that uh, promise, which I think plays somewhat on my mind. I'm like, Oh man, I've got some type of expectation to live up to. But uh, my, my older siblings are also, at least 10 years older than me. It's like my sister was going to college by the time I was entering kindergarten, I think is the way that worked out. Um, so yeah, so it was, it's been an interesting relationship. Like I think I'm, uh, I'm close with them, but it's not your typical sibling relationship. Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting what you said about almost the, the promise. Um, my parents were also, they're, they're pretty religious. I would say not like overtly, but um, you know, held a lot of Christian values, grew up in that type of household. And I feel like that was a story that was related to me almost as well is almost this, this version of a promise or, or, and then feeling a bit of an expectation, not a burden, but like to, to want to live up to, to some other ideal that maybe. Right. Yeah. Want. It's not like something anybody ever says. Yeah. That would be super mean, but you, <laughs> I, I think you just have that sense of like, don't screw this up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and it's not like you think about it in a way. It's like, if I screw up, something bad's going to happen, but it's like almost like, yeah, this is an interesting. I don't know. I, I feel like, um, I've never really explored this, uh, and it's weight of expectation, but I've had a lot of friends say you're very hard on yourself, but I wonder if part <laughs> of that is just like that same weight of expectation and being like, you were a gift from God. Make sure you're not a bad gift. <laughs> like, <laughs> you like, know that, Ooh. That's it. That's actually what Nathan means. A bad, bad gift? gift? No, gift from God. <laughs> gift from God. Oh, okay. That's a bad lot better. Gift. Thanks for going in that route, <laughs> yeah. guys. Thanks for going for the negative side of that one. That's just gift. where you jumped in. We were man. talking about gift of God. <laughs> right. On the re- For the record, you go Nathan back to the original Korean. A gift. <laughs> a gift from God. I like it. Um, so kind of shifting gears a little bit, um, I guess when it comes to your exploration of the culture of American culture. And I know you did a lot of Hispanic and Mexican culture, just being in Texas and then ingratiating yourself within that. Um, I'm wondering, I was just wondering, you know, how much of each of those disparate parts of your life played a factor in what stuff that you took in as a child. um, And, you know, as you grew older, how that played a role there as well. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. Like, I was very uh, sheltered, I guess, as a kid, as my parents were pretty, uh, took a pretty conservative route raising me. And so, like, I didn't even listen to the Beatles at all until I 
quote unquote stumbled upon them. Not that they're really a thing to stumble upon, but I <laughs> I stumbled upon them uh, in high school, and I started listening to them. Uh, you know, plug my iPod into the car, and uh, my dad would start singing along, and I was like, "Wait, you know the Beatles?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, I love the Beatles." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> So, because growing up, all I listened to was Christian music and uh, Celine Dion and 2005 Toby Keith. Uh, That was pretty much it. That was my my whole catalog. (laughs) And that was the um, best one. (laughs) Toby Keith's best All I really know is uh, I want to talk about me and beer from my horses, both of which are very problematic. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. So, so in in, not in middle school, in high school, I started exploring. Uh, the clean parts of culture. Here's what I know that my parents will let me listen to. Here's what I feel like is pushing the envelope. I'm talking John Mayer. I'm talking Nora Jones <laughs> as pushing the envelope. Just any hardcore light. Oh, I'm hardcore talking stuff. Yeah. Coldplay. <laughs> like, oh, Coldplay is definitely <laughs> got to lock the yeah. doors yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. So, Coldplay. <laughs> so I don't know. I think because of all of my travel at such an early age, like by 16, I had really hit most of the continents and um, it was all on international missions. And for me, uh, the thing that I heard over and over again was, uh, we really appreciate you trying to learn a language. Uh, it means that you are trying to take the time to like care and understand um, who we are as a people. And I think, uh, especially for a lot of people who like, international travel or studies or meeting people from other cultures oftentimes it's language that's kind of your first entry into a culture right um it's language and food you know and so i think because of all of those experiences i really have tried to um be a a chameleon in some sense and and blend into wherever i am really in the hopes that my being there doesn't make anyone feel uncomfortable. And because of that, I've really become a student of, that sounds pretentious, but uh, I've, I've, be, I've tried to really learn quickly how to adapt into a culture and what things will make a people, make a person feel like home, you know, um, whether that's, I come from the Orthodox faith or the Catholic faith. Can I have something to talk about? They're like, Oh, you get me. Or, you know, if I'm talking about growing up in Texas and the difference between, if I'm <laughs> talking to like a, a native Mexican or a first generation Mexican American and talking about maybe the difference between even Tex-Mex and Mexican food. Can I (laughs) throw in a little tidbit that makes them feel like, Oh, I get, Mm -hmm. you get me, you know? And, and I think that just so, so naturally puts people at ease and kind of lets some guards down and then we can just kind of interact in a, in a new way. And I, I feel like I get to then experience cultures, um, talking about cultures that way, uh, in a new light and a more earnest light. So, um, yeah, I think just having so many different opportunities to interact with people from, uh, Latin America, from the Caribbean islands, from Korea or China or whatever, uh, just really helped me be able to navigate quickly. And then obviously growing up in America, figuring out how to go from Christian America culture to, uh, not Christian American culture, and then also not stick out, (laughs) Uh, and either of those things will still be true to who I am, you know? That's something I think that's, I think, really unique about yourself in particular, being a blend of multiple cultures, but then also having the willingness to to go out and explore them and to actively want to learn those things. You know, um, for me personally, it took a long time to do that. I kept thinking that I was getting into it, but really I was just, you know, outside of the circle trying to peer mm-hmm. in, whereas you're stepping into it. Um 
when you're going to on these missions, going to all these different countries, all the continents and meeting all these new people, did you ever feel that, did you ever feel like your adoptedness played into that at all? Being a Korean adoptee and people seeing you, you know, instantly assuming that you're just Asian in some way. And then you, you speak to them and they're like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, like that, the, the kind of that reaction. What was that like uh, dealing with? Did you have to deal with that at all? Was it was everybody pretty cordial or? I think when I went to Bogota, uh, Colombia in my eighth grade year, I'd only had like a semester and a couple of weeks of Spanish, you know, of like middle school Spanish. So all I really knew was, can I have a lemonade? And hey, <laughs> waiter, what's on the menu today? You know, besides kind of the right. the general, Check, hola, como estas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I didn't know Czech. I was like, I'm an eighth grader. I'm not paying for anybody. Uh, Donde esta el baño? Yeah. Uh, so, so that was interesting. And that was, so we, on that trip, we partnered with a, a local organization who um, were working with street kids there in the capital. And those little kids asked me, are you from China? Which okay. I think was my my first experience with not even like racism, but just being like, oh, you're an Asian. Are you from China? Right. You know, and I was like, I get it. Because <laughs> why would you know Korea? But I'm like, no, I'm and I would I wouldn't even say I'm from Korea. I'd just be like, no, I'm from Texas. Like that was a more important identity for me to have at the right. time. I'm like, no, I'm from Texas, y'all. Uh, I but get then, that. Yeah, so. and add that y'all in there afterwards too, just make sure they <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, y'all. I don't know how that translates to in Spanish. Texas. Like, no, soy they. Well, and then I had that whole like, do I say Dallas or do I say like Dallas or do I say <laughs> Tejas or you know, just kind of that weird yeah. like, how do you say American places with it? Yeah, because they might not know accent, the states or in a different language. Right. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. Texas, I feel like is pretty famous, which is nice, but like, yeah, I'm just like. Yeah, so but you don't look like videos. a cowboy. Yeah, so that was a whole whole other thing. I've always had questions, but like, are you from China? No, I'm from Texas. Did you ride horses school? No, it's very simple. I was like, what? You know, so whatever. At least they jumped to Texas-based questions and not just right back to no. But where are you really from? That's the question that I always get when I say I'm from Indiana. People always go, but where are you really from? And I'm like, man, I'm not about to have this conversation. Yeah. I I had my first time with that question was in college. Uh, they, we were on a choir tour and we had these host homes or whatever. And it was in, I don't somewhere in the Midwest. I don't know. So our host was like, where are you from? And I said, oh, well, we're, I'm from Dallas just cause I was a, a college student. And then, uh, they're like, yeah, but like, where's your, where are your parents from? Like they were asking, where are you really from? Yeah, in a yeah. very gracious roundabout way. <laughs> and I just had had never experienced that because college was the first time that I was really separated from my family and like, right. people didn't know my parents, you know? So um so i was like oh my dad's from wisconsin my mom's from arizona and then my buddy's like no he's from korea <laughs> and i was like oh you meant where am i from from <laughs> from i see so yeah that was that was interesting yeah I, I used to get that question all the time i would just at one point i just started simplifying it and telling them my ethnicity way before they would even get to that point of that awkward would you no, say where are you really hi from? i'm nathan i'm from hi, korea i'm from oklahoma <laughs> but i was born in korea like and just, then, that's part of your title. kills it all up in one sentence they yeah. don't have to ask me any more awkward questions and, and that's when what did i you got start to eventually realizing that's what people were asking or realizing like oh this is this is annoying you know usually with that that exact phrase where are you from you could tell you know 
if because if they said where were you raised or where um you know where were you born or things like that it those are a little more specific questions but where are you from is very open-ended i think it's they they think they're trying to be nice in a way and subtle yeah about you know what's your ethnicity however on the opposite side coming of that in with that soft smile <laughs> Uh, when when Asian people ask me that question, it's almost immediately I I know what they're asking. They're you know they're usually asking what what ethnicity are you? And so then yeah. at that point, if it's an Asian's asking me that, I go, oh, I'm Korean. I don't even like say I'm from Oklahoma at that point because I almost assume that that's what they're asking as far as that. Do you mean a, like an Asian American? Yeah, yeah, Asian American oh, okay, gotcha. or just yeah somebody who you can tell is maybe just uh, trying to find something relatable or something. I've never gotcha. thought about that before. I don't think I've ever encountered that situation. Hmm. Where another Asian American yeah. has asked you where you're from. Yeah. I just, I, you said that and I'm like, huh, I don't know if I've ever had that encounter. So it might be more because of California has so many other Asians that's, of so many different true. races. And I am guilty of, by the way, not being able to pinpoint specific Asian uh, characteristics. Yeah, I, I'm not good at it. I'm really bad at that where I've seen people and, and I, I can't tell. And so I don't ever yeah. assume I've made too many mistakes of assuming which, which they're, you know, and so. That's one of the things I'm mainly worried about. I'm like generally good. And then sometimes there'll be, you know, if we're watching somebody on TV and be like, well, what do you think he's from? If I can't tell by their last name and I can't tell by their look, I'm like, they're probably either from this place or this place. I just hedge my bets and be like, it's one of these two places. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And then I'll Wikipedia them later. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to the interview before we get off on too wild of a tangent on um, this. Um, you went back to Korea in middle school. Is that right? Did I, yep. did I read that right? Um, I know that you've kind of talked about this trip a little bit. Um, what I was really wondering just in that sense was, did your then, was this an adoptee group? Did you say you went through Holt? Was this what that yeah, program was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Going on that trip, how formative was that for you did, did were you thinking of it in that way or was it just you know an, an experience and an opportunity to just go to korea um i mean it was both it was definitely an opportunity to go to korea at that time um i think that trip was kind of the culmination of a lot of early searching in my life um i had decorated my room with a bunch of asian things <laughs> just like from wherever it was like i think my parents might have been to china at one point so i had a, a sword from china and i had uh by the time i graduated high school i had like a sword from china a traditional flying kite that was korean <laughs> uh a knife from china uh like an urhu type instrument from cambodia just like lots of random stuff but when i went to korea it was the culmination of a lot of like i said early journeying into my own identity and and i think Telling my parents, being like, I, yeah, I definitely want to find my birth parents. Like, that is really important to me. I want to know my history. I want to know my roots. And so um, they did their research and found this trip and, and got us to go. Uh, so it was just my my parents and me. Um, none of my other siblings went. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was really cool. I, I think that was the first time that I really thought about Korea as a historical nation and not um, just the place that I am from, but is a, right. uh, a, a nation with its own deep, rich history. Uh, and then I saw, um, whatever, I don't remember the, I tried to Google it. It's, it's the palace in Seoul that is from the Joseon dynasty. Um, 
And that was the first time I was like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of this history um, that even America doesn't have, you know. And I, and I started to delineate in my mind Japanese history versus Chinese history versus Korean history. I saw the traditional Korean dances, saw like a Korean, traditional Korean wedding ceremony, had traditional Korean 12-course meal, like kind of all of that. And then went up to the um, DMZ and got that feeling and that weight of all that was happening there. And then at the same time on that trip, I got to meet my foster mom and her youngest daughter. Uh, and that was really cool just, uh, being able to, to reconnect with her. And she's the one that I have pictures of. So, um, in some ways as meaningful as potentially finding my birth parents one day, you know? Um, so yeah, so it was, is, uh, something that was really important to me. I had, I had been taking Korean lessons at the time, um, I was able to read the language, had no vocabulary or grammar. So like I could literally just read what it says. And if it happened to be English that was Koreanized, Hangulized, uh, I would be like, oh, okay, that says pizza. That must be a pizza place. Or that's clearly KFC. Uh, that's just, I don't <laughs> you even know need I mean? words for that. I can recognize yeah. that. <laughs> I see the kernel, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, even like I have... Uh, I got a custom scroll with my Korean name on it. That oh, I nice. Then later hung up in my wall and I got a map of Korea and a Korean flag. And so, um, yeah, so I think that was really important in rooting myself in, in a land with history, with its own like full culture. And I just remember, uh, being so excited to see so many Asian people, uh, <laughs> just being like, ah, oh, Dad, you're the outsider. <laughs> like, That's how I felt when big, I moved to California. Yeah, he's a big, tall, white dude. And I was like, you stick out like a sore thumb. I look like I belong here. I super didn't, but it was it was just cool. That was a fun experience. So. Yeah. I'm super jealous of that trip. That, that I mean, that sounds amazing. I wish I had gone on something like that when I was younger. It yeah, really does it was, sound like an amazing experience, especially because, you know, you went there and you got to get involved with the actual history of the country. But then you also got a little bit of personal history. Like you said, you got to meet your foster mom and her daughter. Like the whole trip was a whirlwind. Um, right. So like I said, the, the palace really stuck, sticks out of my mind. There was a concert on a, a beach next to the hotel we were staying at in Busan that was happening. So like that, uh, that was like a moment of downtime that, um, Right. out of my mind and we went to one of the um agency buildings somewhere i don't know it was like a home for kind of disabled kids and i met this uh young boy who uh i just held and um sang to and i knew like korean songs or i knew like the songs that we would sing in english uh but for like korean kids just i don't know hmm. probably because my tutor explaining it to me or i was like oh i bet i can figure this out from my vocabulary it's right like head shoulders knees and toes or um you know whatever and so <laughs> then i um so i met this kid and uh later found out at the end of it that i could sponsor him so i was able to sponsor him uh through adoption which oh, is really nice. cool. so I, I stayed connected to that trip for a long time after that in that way um cool. and then i also learned Arirang, which apparently is the Korean national anthem, but like it's not actually the Korean national anthem, which later came into play uh, when we had three Korean, not pastors, but like they were like a, a pastor, a music director, and somebody else from a Korean church. They came and at least visited with us, uh, coming to our church, and um, and they gave me a 
like a Korean ocarina, basically. Um, nice. And so I, I started playing Arirang because that was like, that was one of those bits, you know, it's like, oh, you, this is a thing that we can share. I know that this is a cultural piece. And they were floored. And it was <laughs> so bad because I, you know, I was new at the instrument and I suck <laughs> at wind instruments. But they were like, this is so important to our history. And I had no idea at the time because I was, you know, 16. I hadn't done my research, but they were like, no, this is really beautiful and really meaningful to be in a foreign land and yet have like that piece of home, you know, probably be like if I was in Korea and somebody brought me Doritos, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, this is, <laughs> y'all don't even know. So I get down with Doritos, but um, yeah. So that was, that was cool. I also get down with Doritos. Um, <laughs> Are you cool ranch or nacho Ooh. cheese? Uh, I'm both. I'm flaming hot nachos. So okay, I'm, cool. that is I'm a my cool ranch guy favorite. now. Cool ranch, dang! I'm a cool ranch man. Everything, everything is about ranch. Yikes! Nobody outside of America (laughs) knows about. Nobody knows about ranch. I've gone to so many countries and they don't know what ranch is, except they go, "Oh, is that that stuff they give you at Subway?" Are you going to be a Hidden Valley ambassador? A Hidden Valley ambassador? I could be. I could be the ranch ambassador. I have. I have eaten a lot of ranch. I have put it on a lot of things. That is amazing. Pizza. (laughs) <laughs> I put ranch on pizza. Okay. Um, so KJ, I just want to go back a little bit to um, you talking about playing that, that the, the Adi Dong for, for those ministers and, or those pastors from Korea and giving them that sense of home and just having gotten to know you and things like that. Music is a huge part of who you are. Um, mm. It's a big part of your identity. Um, how I just want to know a little bit about that journey um how you got from who you were as a kid and growing up in the church and, and then getting growing into genres and then how that translated into you now expressing yourself through music because you do a lot of different types of of things i think and, and i want to talk about that a little bit in a second okay uh yeah i don't know music has just always been a part of my life my parents told me they would when i was a little kid i would ask for the radio to be turned on like it was just always a thing that i cared about um I started in kindergarten singing, you know, on stage at the church and uh, had a, uh, a lot of experiences doing church music specifically. Um, so then I, in my mind, I was like, well, like Christianity is my thing. Music is my thing. It makes sense for me to just blend the two and go into church work for music. And so that's what I'm doing now. And, and I knew that in seventh grade and just kind of ordered my life to, to get there and, and make that happen. Um, and then since uh, working in the church, I've been able to uh, explore not just music, but sound. And I think that's, uh, I mean, I've done a lot of other things, but I really like doing sound in general, which is hilarious because I'm half deaf. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, but that's been really fun. And, and, and I think that music has been a, it's been a gateway for two things. It's been a gateway for me to uh, explore creativity and um help others i think find some way to be creative and then it's also kind of going back to to language it's been a way for me to break out of learning a language in school in a very kind of academic rigorous whatever type uh sterile environment to this is how people actually use language and this is how people um, actually choose to express themselves Uh, i would as much as i could you know if i was in Spanish, I would listen to uh, just pop music or whatever. Like I was a big fan of Juanes for a while. Um, 
listening to Spanish music and just like kind of ingratiating, not ingratiating, uh, integrating myself in that culture. And then the same thing with like Korean music and finding uh, now, especially Korean indie music. Because uh, I, I mean, I like K-pop, but I don't listen to bangers all the time. I need something more <laughs> chill. Um, so, so finding that and then as I build my Korean language skills, being like, oh, hopefully I'll get to translate this and get a sense of this is how native Korean speakers will express themselves and talk about things and whatever, you know, it just makes me feel like I'm, I'm more able to understand that. And then when I go to places uh, like in Colombia, like Juan is this Colombian, he's a Colombian superstar. And so I was able to play what was relatively contemporary Juanes songs. And in that way like everyone could just sing along and there was no translation i already knew the words and that was a way to just bring people together for the shared love of their own culture it wasn't me being like check out this cool american thing it's like no let look at this thing that i love about your culture so that's cool did people get extremely hyped when you were playing their songs and they were like this dude what was that (laughs) what was that experience like uh it was fun because it was all kids like 10 and under oh okay uh so it was singing that and then my um american friends who went on the trip with me were like i don't know this song but that hook is catchy and so i'm falling asleep with using this por ti and i was like i don't know any anything else i just know that one part and i had nightmares about it i'm like sorry man so. that's amazing well i uh delved into your soundcloud today while i was at work and <laughs> okay. in preparation for this interview and i just want to read some of the real-time thoughts that I wrote down as I was list- as I was going through your uh, your discography. I don't know if I would call it discography, sure, but your songs that you have on there. None of them are original. Well, I I liked them, so I didn't. I had. I, I guess I just hadn't realized that you were a singer. So my very first thing that I wrote down is in all caps. It says, "Okay, singing guy." What an okay, <laughs> just okay. Check okay. Like, and then no, in in a, in calm, a, in a great a, way. It's a very calm down. Like There's okay, a, singing guy, take it easy. Question mark exclamation point five wise because I was not prepared to hear you belting <laughs> out in such a great way. Then I moved on to who are we fooling, and uh, I wrote yeah. all caps. Okay, harmonizing guy, because <laughs> you were hitting those harmonies so beautifully. Like and then I wrote you have a great voice. Seriously, did not realize you were this much of a singing guy. And it was, I was, I will say I was blown away by just, I knew you could make music and compose and, and put that down, but to just hear your, your voice come out. I thought that was incredible. And I just wanted to, I guess, just, just highlight that and, and to talk about that. Cause I think people need to know how, how well you <laughs> sing, um, and, and to go and check YouTube. you out on SoundCloud and on YouTube. I was checking his YouTube stuff out. Um, I was wondering just. What is, so like you said, you know, those are covers or or not things Mm -hmm. maybe that you had written originally. What was, what about singing those songs and, and, and bringing to life these other works um, really gets that best rise out of you uh, when it comes to singing? Like what is, what motivates you to, to get to that point? Yeah. So uh, all of my music is pretty functional. (laughs) Um, I, there are very few things that I, I do for my own sense of catharsis, which I think is why I'm not uh, an artist in the sense of like, I produce my own music or whatever. Um, right. Like creativity has always been about 
um, collaboration and it's always been about helping other people do things. So especially who are we fooling? That's one of my best friends from college and I loved making music with her. Uh, and I always knew she was, I was like, man, she's so much more talented than me. But what I bring to the table is I know how to record. I know how to mix. I know like how to blend and can play well enough. Like I have a good arranging mind. And so I was like, I want to make music with her. I want to showcase her ability um, and just make something really fun and beautiful. Uh, maybe the, the the piece that I'm most excited about right now um, is a song called Peace, uh, which I think only exists on my SoundCloud. Yep, first song up there. That one, yeah, that one uh, I really like because uh, who doesn't need to hear those words exactly. given the state of 2020? Um, that, that even, I think, the you know even if you don't subscribe to the christian faith uh just the idea that there is a deity whose promise is peace uh is is a really comforting thing unless you don't believe in a deity in which case you know find a way to find comfort in it but um so it's it's just been it's always music for me is always a thing where i'm like how can i help someone else shine or how can i give like take what somebody else has said and amplify it and um so yeah and and also i like to do things that are um, with people and kind of help raise them up or whatever. So like I've done a lot of, uh, sound design for movies, um, short films, and that's been really fun, but as much fun as doing those has been, you know, like how can I make somebody else's project come to life or how can I bring a new person into the team who's never done sound design before and be like, this is what recording footsteps is like. Um, so it's always creativity has always been about, um, very functionally kind of amplifying other people's projects. Cause I think I, I just don't have that own like personal drive to create original stuff necessarily. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's what it's been about. Cool. Um, and to go off of, so I did look at your IMDb page as well. Um, I, <laughs> I forgot that I had one. Yeah, you have one of those. Um, I thought that was really, I thought it was really cool um, to see that you had these producer credits and writer credits and composing credits uh, on these short films. And I thought something else that was interesting was that your wife is is one of the actors that is in that is in a lot of these films. Am I right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I was wondering, you guys are high school sweethearts. You know, you've been together for a long time. What brought you to? It was it that creativity and that and that drive that kind of brought you guys together. Is that the one thing that's really <laughs> your connector? Or um, stop me if I get too personal. But uh, um, no. I, it's more just, I don't know how to speak for her, which is a little embarrassing because <laughs> it'll be, we'll be, we'll, we've been together for 11 and a half years as of recording this. Um, so I don't know, not to like super reduce her side of the story, but like the first thing that comes to mind is she's just like, I like Asians. I don't know. Like Asian <laughs> people are cool to me. So, um, she, one of her friends growing up was uh, Chinese, and so she loved hanging out with her and hanging out with her family. And I think, I mean, she genuinely just has, she's like, I think Asian people are cool, and I like that culture, those cultures and, and all that. So um, we actually met in middle school, but I was terribly nerdy and unconfident at the time, uh, just because everyone is that way in middle school. Even if you're cool, you're still, like, super awkward in middle school. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. You're still uh, standing in the all-guys line at the dance, just, you're yeah, just yeah, waiting yeah. for a girl to it's ask you to a, dance. What a wild <laughs> time to be alive. So, uh, so yeah, so high school rolls around. Um, I don't know. I was singing for uh, high school chapels and things, and so she was like, he's Asian, 
and a musician. So I like to think that's how I got her. I was still so <laughs> unconfident at the time that I was like, this is my first girlfriend. I have to keep her because I'm never going to get another one. Uh, <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't blossom into self-love until like halfway through college. So I was just like, <laughs> like I, I have a girlfriend. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So um, yeah. So that was a whole, a whole journey, but we're here. We're married. Uh, we're, yeah, it's, it's great. Well, yeah, Serenader I, Weekly. I truly don't, and I, I think she's <laughs> kind of dismayed by that because she she gets that question a lot. Uh, you know, like, oh, it must be so amazing to be married to a singer. I, does he just sing all the time? And I, like, when I'm at home, I sing a lot. It's never good. Like, right. It's never good singing. It's always just stupid, fun. Let's make up our own lyrics to yes. our favorite song. Like, mm-hmm. this is my moment to sing terribly. Because mm-hmm. that's just as fun to me, and uh, I'm not getting paid to sing well, so I'm like, I don't, I'm not gonna put on a show. So <laughs> I yeah. completely get so that. So it's, it's much more honest with her, but it's not as romantic as everyone assumes. That's still romantic in its own way, though. I think, I think that the fact like that you guys can so. have fun with it, I like that. That that's that's amazing. But to that point, you guys seem to collaborate a lot on different things. Um, has you guys always worked together on projects? Do you guys come to each other with ideas about projects to help each other? Um, in, in that sense, I, I think that's a really cool and interesting dynamic to a relationship um, for creatives, especially. Yeah, we, um, we're both creative. She's the communications coordinator for our uh, local, well, regional food bank. Um, oh, cool. And so... Uh, we do a lot of things together. She, you know, went to Mizzou to study, study journalism. Um, so she's a much stronger writer than I am, but our, our, uh, interests intersect. So I think like, you know, we're both interested in photography, uh, but I'm maybe a little bit better a photographer, but we're both interested in writing and she's a much better writer than I am, you know, kind of those kinds of right. things. And so it's been nice because, um, I really like to learn. And so, um, even now, for example, uh, she's doing a lot of work with her uh, organization's websites with WordPress and things. And I'm like, I've taken, I don't know, so many hours of website development. And I, I really like that. And uh, we'll develop websites and do all of that stuff. And she'll be like, um, I have a question. And I'm like, yeah, I can help you. You know, and so right. it, it has been really collaborative. And um, and she's been so great to jump in on all of these film projects and things. And, uh, you know, she, she's done a lot of voiceover work with that and uh, just, whatever and so it's, it's just been been fun to to have that and and to have somebody who constantly is just like yeah let's do it what can i add to the table yeah and i feel like that shows through too when it comes to like this journey specifically that we're on um i was wondering if you could kind of speak to the ways that she's been able to either support you or how that's affected your relationship i know you said it, it's been a pretty positive thing and she's been a great strong uh influence to help make this possible um what's that like been like for you guys yeah. Um, it's been interesting. Like I, so I being on this journey, I'm just discovering things about myself, um, and kind of gets a report back to her. <laughs> uh, and then she will see these things. And I think it, it's been interesting. Cause I think she, not to put words in her mouth, but I'm going to go ahead and put words in her mouth. Uh, <laughs> I think she sees me differently. Uh, maybe as more Asian. Uh, I certainly see myself as more Asian, um, and because we've been together for so long, uh, and because she just cares about learning about cultures like I do, um, you know, she was the one who really reinstigated my journey into being Asian American. Um, 
it was 2015 mizzou is celebrating their asian american uh heritage month um and she was like hey have you heard about this i was like no i've never heard about this (laughs) and so it was her who uh put me on that journey and then she would just ask me questions because she wants to learn and wants to be a better human being and um so I would just be like, here's what I'm learning and here's what I'm talking about, whatever. And and even even in that month, uh, while we were both learning and talking, she picked up on the fact that I would say they anytime I would refer to Asians, um, which is the first time that I was made aware of the, the reality in my own spirit that I was not Asian. Um, and so, you know, like like I said, my, my identities were uh, disabled, adopted, Christian, white Asian, you know, some version of that, but always like kind of Asian was last. Um, and really I think, yeah, I felt more white and still in some ways do feel more white than Asian sometimes, but, um, just her wanting to learn more, especially, you know, coronavirus has us all on our phones. So post George Floyd, just everyone was talking about social justice. It's the first time I had heard the term anti-racist and things like that. And, um, and so we just done a lot to to better ourselves, and in doing so, have grown um, in our capacity to to empathize, uh, to amplify, to to really see and hear and listen. Like all of these things that, that we talked about earlier, um, really come to the the forefront of who we are and how we navigate the world in a unique way. Um, and so, yeah, so she's been just an incredible sounding board to to help me realize things about myself um, and to push me towards learning things. And also sometimes she'll just ask me like, Hey, where do you think that actor is from? And I'll be like, I think it's this, but then I will be wrong or just want to go <laughs> fact check myself. And then in that way, like I become a more complex person and am right. more better at identifying a person for a person and not just putting them into you're Asian or you're black or you're Latinx or, right. or you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, so she's. Uh, it's been a a, gr- a great relationship to have to navigate complexities well. Awesome, I think that's really incredible, especially to have someone for so long be on that journey with you and to continue to help you and push you and and, and motivate you to to search for these things. Um, I guess to to make sure we don't run too long, um, that actually is a really great segue into kind of my last question. Um, is how what are you guys doing now? How what what are you guys most excited about on this journey that you're on um that you're learning currently or you want to learn what is what does she think about that uh, where are you guys at with that and where are you looking to go yeah so um for you know for a while may june july part of my journey was just overtaken by being a better american citizen right. being a better anti-racist and things um and that was Again, I think just kind of all of 2020, I, I remember watching the Patriot Act um, episode that said, don't ignore the Asian vote in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and it, that episode in particular um, gave me my own sense. I think in the same way that the the palace from the Joseon dynasty in Korea gave me my own sense of like Korea as a historic nation, that episode of the Patriot Act gave me my first glimpse of Asian Americans as a historic people group in America. Um, you know, we have Black History Month, obviously. Um, and so you get a month of like, let's talk about some historical black people if your teachers or your school is good to do that. But we don't really have that for Asians. Like like I said, I didn't know. I had already graduated college 
by the time I'd heard, we even had a month, right? Um, which is hilarious and heartbreaking to me. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, so just to, to hear Asian American history uh, as more than Bruce Lee was a cool guy <laughs> uh, was <laughs> was really eye opening to me. And and so to to watch that episode and hear how connected we are to um, just the civil rights movement and, and all of those things. Um, and then where we are now has been really interesting. So I've been doing a lot of Korean identity journeying as well as just kind of like American minority journeying. And, um, I've been looking for a lot of podcasts and just ways to diversify my social media and the entertainment that I was taking Cause I live in a super white place. Uh, right. And so I was like, I want to watch some stories about not white people. I want to read some books by not white people that are, are current, not 10 years old or not yeah. 20 years old. Like this is 2020. We should have a more diverse spread of entertainment to take in, you know? And so we're, I'm grateful for the steps we made. I know we still have a lot of steps to make, but that's how I found Dear Asian Americans. It was a, a suggested account to follow on Instagram. Um, and I found this other uh podcast because the podcaster just decided to to um answer one of my questions on my instagram story for is yellow bee pod and uh that is a uh british chinese host uh just talking about asian diaspora and so on her podcast she had um the owner of the fluent korean account come on okay um and so that's that was a really cool episode and she is at least part Korean, um, but never really co- connected with her Korean roots. And so she created this fluent Korean account to kind of post about all of her findings as she gets reconnected with her Korean journey. So uh, I probably love that Instagram account the most right now. Like that's the thing that I'm most excited about because it uh, it talks just about like Korean culture that I don't have really any other place to uh, to find except extensive research, which I'm not going to do that because uh, I'm I don't like doing extensive research, but uh, she lays it out wonderfully. It's very pretty. Um, it's easy to digest. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just really good. And it gives me, again, kind of that more nuanced look at, at Korean history, even some of the, um, I think especially for me and thinking about uh, an Eastern versus Western mindset um, and being like, okay, this is maybe how a native Korean would approach a, a conversation or a way of thinking or um yeah, just getting some of those nuance and again, making it really Korean specific as opposed to like, well, Japan does this. So probably Korea is like this or like, I know this about China. So maybe Korea is the same, but it's like, nah, this is, this is how it is in Korea. So hopefully at some point I'll be like, this is how it is in Korea. Maybe Japan is like this also, you know, kind of right. flipping the script and, and those things. So, yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, I actually hopped on the fluent Korean Instagram today just to check it out and, I thought it was really cool, especially when you scroll back to the beginning and see how she's evolved that account to not just Mm. be a single post or a single picture that has the language and explaining what the sentence is, but now doing grammar and phonetics and having a a piece where it says the sentence for you so you can get uh, a way, learn how to speak it uh, correctly and properly and hear someone do that. Um, So, yeah, I think that's really, really exciting. I think that's awesome um, that you've been doing that, too. And I think it's just seriously right in line with everything that you've been doing you know you're you're a worldly guy i think especially coming from where you came from with your parents i think they're obviously extremely proud of you for continuing on and being that kind of person so thank you for doing that totes (laughs) (laughs) um so 
I guess we're going to move on to some soju. Yes, yeah. I am so excited. I've never uh, had soju before, so this will be a yeah. fun foray. I'm in the same boat as you. Soju a new time. thing. Uh, you, uh, so I'm the, I'm the alcoholic. Okay. Nice. I mean, I like alcohol, <laughs> but... Um, All right. All right, let's, uh, let's take a pause here, and we'll be back with soju. We'll be right back. Patrick, what are we drinking today, and who is this random person who has Zoom bombed us? Who is Soju, and who today is the king are, of Soju? Today we are drinking what is Soju. Um, we are drinking what is Soju? It's called Soju. <laughs> we are drinking Soju today. Uh, I have a lovely bottle from Jinro here with green grape flavoring. I know that there are some of us that have not tried this yet, but we've brought in a resident expert to help us out today. Our boss? No, our co-creator, our collaborator, <laughs> our podcast the king, daddy, the podcast king, Jerry Wan. Hey, Jerry. Ain't nobody's daddy except my kids. <laughs> thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, uh, first time officially appearing on the show. So I just want to share with you guys. You guys have heard it, but publicly. Um, Bringing you guys together as a byproduct of the work that I started with the Asian Americans makes everything that I have done and will do going forward worthwhile. So this has uh, been amazing to see, to witness you guys coming together. Um, and I think it was on a call with you, Patrick. And it was just like, why don't we just fucking start a show with you guys? And I just said it. And here we are like a month later, actually recording episodes and you know, having a lot of fun and knowing that these short conversations that we have on a weekly basis will help younger versions of all of us feel more connected to not only our culture, but with each other and learn more about ourselves. So thank you guys for jumping on and um, never saying no to any of my crazy ideas, <laughs> um, including drinking on TV, as they say. <laughs> um, these are not... This is not, you know, there's actual soju in here. There's, there's no water, right? So on, on TV, you might... You'll you know, see the proof yeah. in like Can't 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no hiding that business. No, no, like no. The movies, Wait, is, there, is there hiding that business? Well, I don't know. Um, do, do my wife just... parents, my wife parents, the first time I had alcohol in front of them, they said, my dad was like, did you get some sun? I was like, no, I just had some alcohol. He was like, what? I was like, yeah. So then later that Christmas, I became the party trick of my family. They was like, hey, KJ, go, go drink some red wine. So I did. And then behind me, they were like, yo, watch when he drinks. It gets super red. I'm like, okay, okay, guys. <laughs> Take it easy. Everyone's just cameras out. Oh, dance. Yeah. Like, dance. Wow. Yeah. My parents didn't That's know either. Hilarious. Yeah, they said the same thing. They, they always thought it was a sunburn. So... <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, it was. That's exactly what so, it is. Some people take Pepsi my older siblings, to avoid that they were now. New. Yeah, you can take the Pepsi AC, but it doesn't really work for me. I don't know. I never had and that like I issue, told Patrick so I earlier, lucky. there's only certain types of alcohol that will make me red, so I, I don't get the Asian glow on everything. So I don't really know. I think all of us are trying soju for the first time. Is that right? Did I say well, that Nathan's right? Had it. I've okay. had, had it. Too right, many times. Right, right. Too many times. <laughs> okay, so I only we have... have it at Korean barbecues, though, so it's typically the place that I have it. Well, you right. you said your love of Korean barbecue, so that makes me think you do have it a lot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered a bottle once by myself, and the lady like, looked at no, me, it tastes thinking, good. <laughs> no, you're supposed to share this. And I'm like, no, it tastes oh, good really? with meat. What? Alcohol. 
So Oops. I just, uh, I, I was, as I was looking up things about soju, I came across something I thought was really interesting. I was looking up, how do, how do you drink soju? What's the traditional way? And I typed that into Google, and here's what I got. The very first thing, it says, soju is best served ice cold, neat, as a small pour in a chilled traditional cup over and over again until the Samsung executive hosting you pulls out his corporate credit card. Does that sound right? Does that sound accurate? <laughs> yes. Everything until the Samsung executive part. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> but w- whether it is a Samsung executive or not, you know, I mean, part of our culture is, you know, generally the oldest or the most senior person pays, um, you know, and by, I guess, you know, transitive property or whatever, like at some point, like you've paid enough times and you've received enough if it all works in your favor because you're young at some points and you're old at other points. Um, but yeah, Sam- Samsung, I-, I think they changed it now, but they used to be, very, very famous and notorious for their expense policy where their um, like cash compensation wasn't that great for their people. But hmm. like the Samsung expense card was like how many businesses probably sustained themselves through decades of operation because, you know, they just paid for everything. All right. Um, yeah. I have a question. <laughs> so I, having not been of drinking age when hanging out with Asians and now being around no Asians, but also of being drinking age... Um, <laughs> It's real unfortunate. Um, so I was talking with my Hmong brother uh, in college, and he was like, yeah, so for us, you just like everybody gets together and you all take a shot together. So it's really best if your whole party arrives because if somebody arrives late, then everybody has to take them their shots. So if you have a party of seven, it's two of you, and then the other five come in later, then by the time of it, you're like six shots deep. Is that true for Korean drinking culture, or is it just like, no, nah, just do it and drink however you want? I think there are... I don't know about the. I don't know if there's a custom or a rule for like <coughs> order order of operation or you know as people join. I'm sure there are, um, but you know there are certain. I don't want to say rules, but customs, um, particularly depending on who you're drinking with. So you know, obviously, age is a big thing in our culture. So, um, so for example, um, if you're taking a drink from or getting a drink poured by somebody older than you. Um, you take it with two hands. And oh, you receive with two hands. You receive oh. with two hands like this. Okay, and he gives you a very sloppy one-handed pour, right? Because he, he could. <laughs> and, and I don't know how scientific this is, and I'll lean back for it. But there is this notion that the more respect you have, the closer your hands go. And so when you have no hands, it's not a matter of respect, but it's familiarity. And so there's a way to like take it like this, which is sort of like you're you're you know closer in age. But if it's like super mega respect, then you take it, you know, sort of with the one hand underneath. And when you take it, because it is considered rude for an older person to see you drink head on, you're supposed to tilt your head, sort of cover your glass with your hand and drink almost in secret. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I'm sure that goes out the window as you get messed up, (laughs) as you drink more. Sure. Um, But that is one of the few things. um, And... Yeah, and so, you know, I, I think, you know, but as, as with a lot of things like customs and, and drinking culture and stuff like that, it, it has evolved. And, um, you know, my, my knowledge is also, you know, as a Korean-American thing that I learned here, um, hanging out with people in Koreatown, obviously. Um, I actually used to do some marketing for, for a soju company. Um, Holla. Th- this great and amazing soju company um, <laughs> for, for in a past part of my life. Um, shout out to Jinro and, and team Adwell. Um, 
but yeah, it's there's a lot of little tiny rules, but in all, you're right. Um, this is a soju glass that is provided by the manufacturer, provided by the brand. And there are seven shots of these in a traditional bottle that is 375 milliliters. And another fun fact about those two numbers is that it makes it really easy to order another bottle, whether you're drinking with two, three, or four people, you always run out. And that's intentional so that you always order more so that nobody is feeling left out without a glass. Because you all have to drink together. Correct. Because it's usually the oldest person pouring <laughs> mm-hmm. and you never say no to the older person. So wow. it makes for really, yeah. So if you're the youngest person or whatever, and again. <laughs> so Koreans the, just have built in yes and culture. It's <laughs> not, the not oldest even, person is like, we getting sloppy tonight. He's like, yes and. Okay, no, it's, it's not even a yes and. I don't think you even get to the and. You just say yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the youngest person just has to do everything. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so, then, but you have to be like alert enough to like take care of the old dudes when they pass out. So you're so, also the DD. Yeah, not 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 quite that. I mean, nobody should drink, yeah. but like you got to take care of shit, right? Like so, um, you know, it's it's really, and then I guess even in America, in the Korean American culture, like some of these things exist, and there's no like you know, forced drinking is obviously bad because you should you know Can not make people things. drink beyond what they're comfortable with. Um, but you know, I've I've drank in other very traditional climates or, you know, instances where it's like, whoa, like this is pretty intense. Um, We used to drink with uh, the the, the country uh, leader or the country president of General's America office. And like, obviously, if you work at the soldier company and you're senior senior enough to be like the guy that runs the U.S. operations for a time, like you drink. And it is your job. You probably know how it is your job. It's literally your you job hard to drink. The paint. Hopefully, you can hold your alcohol too. Yeah. So, um, well, you probably already are hired someone older than you too, so always be pouring for you. So <laughs> that way, you never have to do any of it. You just make the money and then drink. Just yeah, casually it, it drinking indie under the table. Yeah, it, it is. It is fun. Um, you know, as, as as Nathan mentioned earlier, it is sort of what people think about instinctively when they think about Korean food and Korean barbecue, and, and I think much more so than you know typical. American culture where you order your own cocktail that is different, perhaps different than everybody else's, and you're consuming it one by one. Like when you go to a Korean barbecue, you know, it's literally like soju and beer. And Mm -hmm. those are, you know, now it's different again. I'm talking more traditional sense, but that's it. You get two choices. There are brands within each, but you get soju or beer, and it's all communal, right? So Mm. um, you don't get, you know, if you go to a a Korean restaurant and you order a bottle of beer, um, height preferably, you don't get a 12-ounce bottle. You get like mm-hmm. a 20 or, you know, you get a big 750-milliliter bottle. And they give you a couple of glasses. So even beer is meant to be shared amongst... Because every part of the Korean food experience is to be shared, right? Right. Mm-hmm. There's really very few things that are actually individual. So that bleeds into drinking culture where, you know... And, and very rarely... And the, and the reason why, like, paying for everybody makes sense is because since nobody orders for themselves even if you Dutch pay, like how do you divide that, right? Unless you go right. straight down the middle or something. So anyway, there's a lot of fun stuff and I really wish that we were drinking in person. Yeah, yeah um, what I'm hearing you say is we shouldn't have bought this and you're going to take a drink <laughs> and then gonna mail it to us and then we'll take And that way we're not drinking alone. No, no, no. But, you know, it's... And, and there's a lot of like little known, you know, things that, um, again, depending on how um, hardcore you are in the cultural sense, Again, I think with most Korean Americans, we've, um, I don't want to say evolved, but 
um, have, have you know adapted and you know made our own Korean American versions of it. But for example, um, my my social standing is represented by my height when we clink. Yeah. And and so if you're the younger person, you always just edge for the like you always aim for the yeah. bottom. And, and, and I made that like mistake. A head, head down. And they made fun of me about yeah, it because so like I didn't these know things, right? And yeah, interesting. And and so here's the here's a silly part. Like maybe there's YouTube videos now about this stuff, but like for the longest <laughs> time, you just learn by drinking. And like you yeah. know, older brothers Getting or your dad or your uncles, like yeah. you learn. Um, and so drinking age is 19 in Korea, which is you know a little okay. bit younger than in in uh, here, and. Uh, you don't turn older technically legally on your birthday. Everybody turns older on January first, right? So, yeah. A, a, a funny scene to see in Korea is that on New Year's Eve, there's a shit ton of <laughs> there's people lining out the bar at 11:30, and at the stroke yes. of midnight, they oh go in gosh. and they get wasted. 19. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it's it's 19 Korean age. So, like in in US age, they're probably like 18 ish. Yeah. Uh, depending on when your birthday is, right? Um. But yeah, uh, let, let's stop talking and, and take a drink. <laughs> yeah, my and, bottle's getting sweaty. So. This is why I drink with old, people younger than me. So and, I can always be uh, on top. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna crack my <laughs> I'm gonna crack my bottle right here next to the microphone so we get the. Oh yeah, I, I'm doing mine too. Yeah, so I'm let's talk about let, let's to. talk about the uh, different bottles we're drinking. Um, Woo, maybe. So, I am drinking. Normal cooling filtering system, no flavor. It's Ooh. it's uh it's just the hardcore nineteen point five percent alcohol. So, <laughs> all right, so let's, yeah. let's cheers. I'm going to the hardcore and, and, and stuff make sure here, that everybody shot glasses below Nathan's because he's the <laughs> the older Papa Bear. Um, is that true? So we, yeah, yeah, he, right. he is Papa he, Bear. All right, where it's is there my... at the very bottom of the screen? Uh, yeah, there's oh. mine. <laughs> Doing come back, come back, come back, come back. Oh, I forgot to put mine in the fridge, so it tastes mm. okay. Ah, that tasted mine like tastes great Kool Aid. I'm about to chug this, this whole bottle. Are you so kidding? sweet. I <laughs> that am is in good. Danger. Oh, so hang, hang delicious. K- KJ, uh, KJ, show KJ us your bottle. A new one. Yeah, 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 KJ, yeah show yeah. us your so, bottle and, and, and tell us what you're drinking. Yeah, uh, you're this drinking Jinro's strawberry flavor. The Korean says Dalgie Isul. So I'm assuming that means strawberry. Dalgie is strawberry, and Isul is go. a play on their main brand, which is Chamisul. What about you, Patrick? All right. Oh, my stomach. Jinro, uh, the, the green grape. I don't know. So how to Jinro say made that these new, new fruit flavors very recently. Um, I'm going to bust out because um, oh, I always have three bottles of soju on my bookcase just in case. Is it disrespectful <laughs> to just drink from the bottle? Is that disrespectful? <laughs> Uh, it's not disrespectful. Do you just it's probably <laughs> look not. like an alcoholic? No, oh, it's, it's probably not it's advised. It's so good. Um, this is only 13% alcohol. So. Is what it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably not advised. Um, and, and you know, it's actually funny. Um, so when you ask Korean folks, like what your tolerance is in the general sense of like, and people ask this very bluntly, like, um, how much can you drink? <laughs> what like, and they answer in bottle count. Like, oh, I whoa. Can do, so I can do about half a bottle. Like, wow. okay. you know, like if you want to flex, you're like, no, I can do three bottles. Um, obviously, it, it has a <laughs> lot of different components of like um, under what circumstance, what you're eating. Yeah. Are you tired? You know, how quickly? <laughs> um, all these things. Um, <laughs> so I have one of these. Uh, it looks old school. So this is not a green bottle. It's a bluish tint. 
Mm-hmm. And it's the retro but new uh, 2020 Jinro is back bottle. Mm-hmm. And it's got the okay. old school toad on here. Um, and apparently this is like all the rage in Korea. And wow. they brought it over here to the States a couple months ago. Because of the labeling? It's, 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 it's just something, yeah, you know, it, it, it's like I think it's classic. nostalgic play. It's yeah. like when Miller went back to their like kind yeah. of classic look. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And, and I think it's it like was a an, water bottle. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a nostalgic play. It does. It looks like a sparkling water. Yeah. Kind of I mean, yeah. take that yeah, to the It's like a sparkling water. Even my bottle has the um, the little toad just in the top right yeah, corner. Yeah, the little toad. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up my grapefruit because. Uh, mm. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Wait, so. I'm I was about to pour myself flavors. some more, but is the alcohol Hard. content like per shot? I mean, so I would say like on the, you know how like, um, what is it like the beer per hour or like a shot of liquor yeah, per yeah. hour? Oh yeah. So you don't whatever like DUI level. Yeah. I'd probably say like relative to soju, like two to three shots per hour would mm. keep you under 0.08 BAC <laughs> if this was like beer and like. Because, like, if this is okay. about 20%, it's like half a vodka. And so it's like half a shot. Although these are much more than an ounce. So, like, you know, um, when you drink, have I ever drank soju at that pace? No. <laughs> um, you're, you're generally eating, yeah. right, with other right. people in a festive and conversational mood. That's a good point. And so um, and, and soju is one of these weird out. things that actually doesn't hit you hard <laughs> until you stand up. Um, yeah. yeah. I lose track. Because I'm always eating so much at the Korean yeah. barbecue. I, I don't okay. remember how many right. shots I've had. Because I'm usually also doing both soju and beer, as right. Jerry was saying. So, and, and so when you oh, mix, really? yeah. Yeah. It, it's called somek, soju, so for soju, mek for mekju. And okay. um, I don't have any of these glasses, but um, this was one of the fun projects that I worked on at the agency when I was marketing these things. There's like a perfect ratio of soju and beer. So it's like, a, you know... Like a soju bomb, basically, right? right? You mix soju nice. with beer, and those things get you messed up super quick because you're Cause you usually drinking large too. quantities, right? Of of <laughs> I like beer. stuff. But yeah, so there's you know, um, as far as soju, uh, Chamiso, which is a brand under Jinro, is likely the most you know popular brand, and is they that have the one a lot I of have? different brand extensions. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I know we've, I'm sure you guys have talked about it on on the air, but you know, I can't wait for COVID to be over. Um, just because there's two of us here. We get to go to Korean barbecue We are going to have a lot. You know, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to commit myself to doing this as we're taping. We're going to have a live-streamed Chanchi Boys mukbang (laughs) drinking party. Hell yeah. Whoever wants to come and join us, if you're in the LA area, (laughs) we'll, you know, we'll we'll take out a whole restaurant, right? Like we have some friends that own restaurants and stuff out here, and I think it'd be fun. Um, bring bring your wives, uh, Patrick. Maybe by then you'll be married, depending on how, how quickly we get through <laughs> this pandemic how long or not. Soju I man, mean, I want to make sure Soju man is there as well. I mean, <laughs> I wonder <laughs> only where Soju if it's man actually is. Jerry. <laughs> hey, so talk to me about uh, born nineteen oh seven twenty nineteen. Obviously, it follows day, month, year. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that like an expiration date? And then how do you? know I if think, when it expires is that specific to Jinro bottles or like alcohol or is that like how korea does they don't do best buy dates they do born dates <laughs> i don't think that soju expires because people probably drink it um, sure because, <laughs> they're like oh we don't have to worry about that it'll be uh, gone i i would say that it is a marketing tool whether it is regulatorily mm-hmm. uh, required or not um but sort of like i think bud had like the born on dates for a little bit um but it's just to tout like how fresh it is, right? Like, 
from the distillery to your mouth. It's only been in the bottle for X number of, of days. I'm, I'm looking at my, um, my uh, General Isback bottle, the blue one. I don't see a date. I, I do have one here on my grapefruit. Um, this one's been alive for about a year and a half. Um, I thought it meant that you had to be born by that date just to be able to drink it. <laughs> like a one and a half year what? old can drink this? <laughs> what? Come on. Go Patrick. nuts, baby. Um, literal baby. Literal baby. No. <laughs> just kidding. We don't condone infancy drinking. <laughs> We're going to get shut down. No, no more no more Janji show. When I was growing up and, you know, I'm sure other people like, I, I think the part of, Maybe there's some adopted kids today that find it easier to connect with their culture because it is around more. And obviously with the internet, you can connect more digitally like we're trying to do with this show. Um, Because food is really the the thing that really brings us together, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, food and language, I feel like, are always the quickest entryway into a culture. Definitely. I, are we doing wonder, a third shot? Is that what, I, what I just oh, this, saw? I, I haven't was my third shooting one. mine. I've been sipping mine. So this is the yeah. back. This is the back end of my back half of my second shot. So okay, but, I have this so much I gone. Like, I don't I, know if that means I, anything. I, and mine's yeah. See, <laughs> two so shots. That, there you can see that's how much I drink. So. Oh. Although, don't you have like the seven hundred? <laughs> I do. I have the seven hundred. You have as much gone visually, but you have your bottle is twice as large. So and I'm yes. the elder. I'm, I've got no walk around. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm sitting here with my second shot. I'm like, I'm feeling it. I, see I can my face see your redness red. coming through. Too. I wasn't going to say anything, but it is a little I, uh, bit red. I, I was going to ask if you got some yet. <laughs> it's, Nate has got lamp. older kids. He got he got he got permission to drink. <laughs> Why do I don't you even drink? have kids. It was part of our job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> they made me do it. But so for the guys fantastic. who started the, the you know um, I mean I guess fruit soju or fruit flavored soju isn't the first. Um, I guess you'll have to drink the the. It's not the, the OG. Yeah, it's the, yes. the OG version. The cool. And then there, there's some other ones like um, the original Jinro brand is 24 percent alcohol so it's mm. definitely more bitter the oj uh, yeah and that's like stronger and <laughs> okay. you can't drink more of it as much of it as possible yeah <laughs> um, but i feel like in, in in the soju wars like every company is trying to make it uh more appetizing for a wider variety of people to drink mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i guess to be blunt from a marketing perspective they wanted to make it more palatable for, for women to drink no, for a woman Ooh. to drink. Okay. Because so the, what you're saying is this strawberry soju that I'm drinking is the white claw. No, 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 no. It's not the white claw. Um, I mean, I I get down no. with, with white claw. I'm a, I'm about that life, so I don't mind at all. I mean, but imagine. I mean, and and so before the companies actually started making these, you know, flavored sojus for for the masses, um, like restaurants, bars, and cafes would make their own, like. Mm. You know, like yogurt mm-hmm. soju was a thing that was very popular. And so what they would do is just take a bottle of soju and put a bunch of, you know, mm. uh, Korean yogurt to make it super can't taste the alcohol. And then you drink that and then, you know, it's a terrible night or a good night, however you look at it. Is that the Korean <laughs> version of a jello shot? Pretty much. Kind but, of. <laughs> okay. But, 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 but Korean yogurt, yogurtu is so sweet that if you mix it, like you barely taste the alcohol. Uh, and yeah. and there's different ways to to do it. Um, another fun way to drink, uh, eat soju, is they make <laughs> uh, soju infused watermelon. Whoa. What? Nice. I've never yeah. seen that. So wow. they cut they cut a hole in the watermelon. Yep. They put a soju bottle upside down, huh. and 
so the water of the watermelon becomes it's just so water. And then, you guys have never made a vodka watermelon before? I've done the Pretty, vodka yeah. ones. The same no. thing. Yeah. But so, so there's a lot of different yeah. ways to drink Raised soju, very but... conservatively. <laughs> yeah, that was that a college start, thing for you, sure. But it's not how you start, I'm older than 21, though. So, yeah. <laughs> so this yeah. show is I'm now ready to catch starting up. to... This is KJ Plays Catch-Up on Drinking Why did you have to qualify the age, man? We assumed you were 21. That's a good... That would be a good segment, man. No, I said I'm over 21 now. Yeah. Yeah. We're broadening your culture right now. We're, you know, this is all part of it. So Are there... Well, nobody talks about, like, Korean drinking culture on all of, like, it's... Talk to me in Korean? No. Speedy Korean? No. Any Korean you learn in school? No. This is this is real life, man. It's what I'm about. Yeah, you know, but it's just, it's a very very um, integral part of mm. socializing within the Korean context, and, and some of it is toxic. I, I must admit, right? Especially when it comes to professional drinking. Again, the culture is changing and has changed, but back in the day, it was just often assumed that you drink for work. Um, you know, Peshik is you know company dinner for and chick for food like and so it's like hey we're gonna go out and 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 there was a point whether it was actually mandatory or the junior people felt it was mandatory for the betterment of the advancement of their careers that they never said no and when you do that on a night-to-night basis you're still expected to get your ass up to go to work <laughs> but this was really you know uh, an unfortunate part of the culture that i hope is getting better um you know not so much in the korean american context um, I'll share a story like when we did marketing for the Soju people, we worked for an agency, not actually for the brand, but they were the biggest client. They also happened to be in the same office building. So from time to time, we would get the call around 1130 saying, hey, you guys want to go to lunch? And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> for the first few times, it was cool because it's like, oh, my God, I'm getting paid to drink. This is great. <laughs> and... And then and the guy, uh, Mr. Lee, he had just one thing because he was always thinking about marketing and branding, right? Which was, one, any bottle we finish has to stay on the table so that as people walk by, there'd be like a mass gathering of green bottles and they'd be like, yo, who the hell are those guys drinking at lunch? And it would spark a conversation. And, and one of the most gangster things that I saw him do was he'd go to tables that were drinking our competitor stuff <laughs> and he'd go, I'll pay for your dinner if you start drinking ours. Oh dang! Nice. Wow. And if, who's gonna Lee. say no? Yeah, yeah. right. Like, That's balling. <laughs> that is balling right there. But you know, similar to the Samsung expense card, he had the general expense card. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. and, and a part of it comes back into his pocket because he's buying his own stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. right. And so, um, yeah, th- that was that was Genius. ten years ago um, when I when I was much younger, uh, <laughs> much more single, and not a father. So th- those were some good times. Um, I bet. Getting getting super nostalgic. Also, now. where you're at well, now is we can good cheers times, to that. <laughs> to the good times. Just a different area. It's a different good. Times. It's, it's different still good. good though. It, it is, and and I heard that you guys are going to do uh, a, a nightlife or like Korean drinking culture um, nightlife nightclub experience conversation one of these days. Yeah, one of these days. Yeah, I, I also heard that just now. So that's exciting. <laughs> I had also heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, no, I mean, there, there are probably some stories that I, I can safely <laughs> share now. Jerry's that like, I'm... please get me out of here. I, <laughs> no, uh, I need to, no, I I need to relive say, my... <laughs> no, there, it, it's, you know, uh, it's all in the past, right? Before, be, before it's uh, about happily to be married in the future. with two kids. Uh, <laughs> it's, all, 
this is all just history. This is for the good of everyone This is KJ Catches Up, yo. KJ Catches Up. That's what today's episode is. KJ Catches Up. So that was the interview with KJ. Thank you so much for all that information. We're, uh, uh, hope you guys all join us on the rest of the show and, uh, handles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my handles out. are at KJ Relke, R O E L K E on, uh, Instagram and Twitter. You can find me on SoundCloud. Apparently, you can find me on IMDb. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. It's all some variation of KJ Relke. Can you uh, spell your last name? R-O-E-L-K-E. It's a very Korean. Uh, you have to do a deep dive to find that. So. <laughs> and you can also find the John Chi Show uh, across all social media platforms as well, at John Chi Show. We can't wait to... Hear all your thoughts, comments, and everything uh, in between there. Uh, please feel free to send us a message, write us a comment, leave us a note. We're only going to get better from here. Yeah, we want to hear from you. Also, we want to give a big shout out to Jerry Wan for joining us for the soju portion of this episode. He is the host and creator and producer behind Dear Asian Americans, the podcast where the three of us all met. So uh, if you haven't already, please go and check out Dear Asian Americans on all the places where you can find podcasts. Uh, subscribe to that it is so so wonderful thanks for all that information we love you <laughs> DM it's me. the soju talking slide into my dms <laughs> don't forget to leave me a message no the Chi dms bro oh the Chi dms all right stop and recording that's the show 